Get your Bibles out. We're going to dig in tonight. And I believe that God has a word for us. God has a word for you no matter, no matter what your pre-existing um, thoughts and expectations were before you came tonight. You know, we all come with expectations of something. Sometimes we come with expectations of very little. And I believe that God wants us to come with expectation. You know, expectation doesn't mean you know exactly what God's going to speak to you that night, right? You know, sometimes you say, well, God, I want you to speak to me about this. Or, Lord, I want you to answer these questions. And I believe he's faithful to do that. But I think also that uh, a healthy thing to say is, God, I don't know what you're going to say, but I expect you are going to say something to me. So we need to receive it. You know, it, 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 I've said this before, but I'll say it again. We know that it takes faith to give. We know it takes faith to preach. I, I don't know anybody, in, if you've been a believer for any period of time, you would be, you'd be very disappointed, if not downright shocked, if, you, if I got up here and said, you know, I actually don't pray before I preach. Uh, I don't even prepare. I just kind of show up and wing it. You, you would say, hmm, that doesn't sound good. I need to pray for my pastor. I don't think he's doing too hot. Why? You expect that when someone preaches that they've prepared their hearts, that they've spent some time in prayer and in the word, that they, that, because we don't take this lightly, right? The scripture says, let whoever speaks, speak as the utterances of God. So I'm not going to get up here and take it lightly. So you, you expect that of, of the preacher. But you know, you, you should have the same preparation in your own heart. If the preacher is going to prepare to preach, then the hearer needs to prepare to receive, right? Because it takes faith to receive, just as it takes faith to give. And so tonight, I, I want you to, to raise your expectation of God more than just, well, I hope this sermon kind of makes sense, and I hope we read something interesting, and, you know, maybe we'll have a couple of laughs. No, I want you to say, tonight, God is going to speak to me. And when God speaks, nothing stays the same. Is there anything on the planet or beneath the planet or above the planet that does not respond to the voice of God? No. What if God said, let there be light and it just sort of slowly dimmed up? We wouldn't expect that. When God speaks, things change, right? So let God speak to your heart and watch what happens. Amen. Let's just, let's hold our, let's open our hearts as we go to him in prayer. Father, tonight we... We raise our expectation of what, who you are and what you do. Lord, we open up our hearts to you. Lord, I ask that you would, we know you're going to speak to us, but I ask, Lord, that you'd prepare us for what you are to say, that we would be ready and, and that, Lord, our hearts would be fertile soil. God, I, I pray that any weeds or thorns that remain, you would root out by your spirit. That we know that you are a loving father that you are a good God, you are a good shepherd who wants us to come closer, who wants us to go deeper, who wants us to grow. So tonight, we say, Lord, move in us and speak to us. And, and, and uh, whatever you want to rearrange, Lord, we gladly offer up everything and say, Lord, you have it all. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd love for you to open the book, your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. We are right at the end of our study of Colossians it's bittersweet. Um, and I want to close with some, uh, some exhortation based on, on one small instruction that Paul gives a particular believer. Uh, 
named Archippus. Once again, folks, anybody expecting babies or grandkids, Archippus is on the table. You can call him Archie. It works. <laughs> In these last bit of exhortation at the end of the letter, we've read this a couple of times through, so I won't spend too much time setting it up, but I, I want you to read what he says in Colossians 4.17. This is the second last verse in the book. He says, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Say to this, this young man, I'm assuming he's young, there's no proof that he's young or old, but say to him, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. I want to I pick up a couple of things in that short sentence. Number one, he says, take heed. What, what are we talking about? That's the Greek word to see, to look at. Pay attention to something, right? Hey, how many times in the Bible does God say, behold? Look at this. Pay attention to this. Why? Because as human beings, we easily get distracted. Uh, you can get busy. You can get uh, just over, overloaded with information. There's so many things that could happen which, which just cause you to drift off course. And God is so faithful and so good to continually say, hey, look at this. Behold. Behold, look at this. Pay attention to this. And what Paul is saying to the, to, to the church to encourage this guy is he's saying, pay attention or look at the ministry you've received from the Lord. I want you to know that uh, God gives the ministry, right? He says you've received it from the Lord. You don't create your own ministry. You don't dream up your own ministry. You don't build your own ministry. It's God that gives us ministry, right? What does the word ministry mean? It means to serve. Right? So, uh, you know, sometimes when we hear ministry, we have a very uh, myopic view of what ministry is. We think, well, uh, w ministry is something where it's your own separate thing, and you have your own charity number, and you have your own 1-800 number that people can call and donate. You know, you have your own website. That's sort of our modern North American view of ministry. But that's not what ministry means. In fact, anything that the body is doing, anybody's doing in the body by the grace of God, by the power of God, is ministry. This is what we do together, right? There's different types of ministry. And so ministry, if you just view it one way, then everybody just says, well, I need to go off and start my own thing. But I don't believe that's the picture of, that's been painted in Colossians. I believe that God's called us all to do our part. And your part is a ministry God has given to you. Now, what does he say? Pay attention to the ministry you've received from the Lord. I just mentioned earlier as we started that it's, you know, God will give things, but you also have to receive, right? So have, have you ever considered that there might be some ministries God has already kind of given somebody and they haven't received it? Is that possible? Yeah, it is. Of course it is. Is it possible that God has said, this is what I want you to do, and we don't receive it either out of a sense of unworthiness, a sense of fear of what we don't know, a, uh, a sense of I'm just too busy doing other things, and we just don't receive it. Archippus here has received this ministry, so good. He's received it from the Lord. He knows it didn't come from him. It wasn't his daydream. It wasn't his mom's plan for him. It wasn't his best buddy's plan for him. It was, it was God giving him a ministry. Now, step one was just receiving it and saying, okay, God, I'll do it. Yes, Lord. 
But somewhere along the line, I think if you're going to get a shout out in, the, in this letter that you need to pay attention to your ministry, I'm inferring from that that somehow he let that slip a little bit. Right? Why, why would you need to get called out 2,000 years later we're still reading it? <laughs> if you're just motoring along just fine. Obviously, he's, for some reason, and the Bible doesn't tell us what, he stepped back. He's maybe not been looking, maybe not being paid attention. Maybe he's been so busy doing other things he thought were, were, was important that he has drifted from the very thing that God called him to do. What does the scripture say? You've got to pay attention to the ministry God gave you so that you will fulfill it. Think about what the word fulfill means. It means to finish it, to bring it to completion. How many of you know that you are on a course and God has got a finish for your course, right? God is the author. Jesus is the author of your faith and he's the finisher of your faith. He's the perfecter. So he wants you to finish and he wants you to finish strong. The apostle Paul said, I ran my race. I finished my course. I did what I was put here on the planet to do. You notice he didn't stay that long on the planet after he said that. Once you say that, that's about the end of the road. You don't want to stay here longer after you've finished your course, right? So Paul, he got his head chopped off right after he said that. So be very careful when you say that. <laughs> but he knew, I, I finished my course. Now, I know that that is encouraging to me. It's inspiring to me that you can and you should finish your course. <clears throat> but I also believe that some people don't. That doesn't mean they're going to hell. No, absolutely not. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that they're going to get to before the Lord and get, a, and get a spanking. But it does mean that there's something that's lost because they didn't finish what they were given or they didn't take heed to it. I want to fulfill the ministry God gave me. I want to fulfill it. And I know in my own life, there's been moments and there's been seasons where there were a lot of forces and a lot of factors drawing me away from the thing that God called me to do. Take heed, pay attention to what God put in you so that you'll finish it, so that you'll fulfill it, so that it will get where it needs to be. Take heed. I want you to see this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Actually, let's go 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll do all the chapter 4s tonight. Is that all right with you? We won't read any other chapters but chapters 4. Second Timothy 4. Now, if you've paid attention to these letters to Timothy... You got to know when Paul writes to Timothy that he's not writing to a whole church. He's writing to one young man. And the reason that's important is not, not that you shouldn't read it and, and receive it for yourself. But know that he's going to talk differently to a mature young believer who is invested in ministry. He's going to talk differently to him than he might to a large group of people. So he's very blunt about what's going to come up, about the challenges Timothy's going to face, about the challenges that the church is going to face in the last days. And he talks about there's going to be many that, that turn away. There's going to be people that won't want to hear sound doctrine. There's going to be people that, that want their ears tickled. And what does he tell him? He says, but you, and this is uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, but you... 
We actually talked about this earlier in Colossians. How many times do you see God say that? Here's what everybody else is going to do. You need to be aware of it. You need to know there's going to be people that do stupid things or they fall away or, or they turn away from sound doctrine and uh, you could be obsessed with them and you could spend all your time worrying about them falling off the rails, worrying about them doing the wrong thing, but God doesn't want you to do that. He, he'll tell you that's, that's what's going to happen. Then he's going to say, but you, what about you? You know what I'm saying? Oh, but Lord, Lord, I, I just, I've been looking on the news, and look what's happening over here, and look what, look what the government's doing, and, and look what these churches are doing, and look what these preachers are doing, and look what these people are doing over here, and, and the Lord says, yeah, 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 I know, I told you that was going to happen, but you, here's what I want you to do, because you can become so obsessed in what everybody else is doing, right or wrong, that you forget that God has something for you, and the only way... I just, I love when we read in the scripture about the last days, about the end times in the last days, God is not afraid to tell you what's coming, even in the church, but he always tells you what to do. He, you know, so many times when people talk about the end times, they just talk about the bad stuff that's going to happen and they leave it at that. But the Bible never does that. God never does that. He says, yeah, many will fall away. Yeah, there'll be false teachers. Yeah, there'll be all of this. But you, here's what I want you to do. Here's how you stay. Jude tells us all of this stuff's going to happen. There's going to be mass uh, stupidity. And there's going to be a lot of people doing crazy things. But then he says, but you, building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, I'm waiting anxiously for the return of Jesus. Look, he's saying, that's going to happen, but what you need to be focused on is the ministry I've given you because that's the only thing that's going to save the people that need to be saved. Right. Don't run around looking at the earthquake over here and the fire over here and the tornado over here. Stay focused. Don't be distracted. What does he say? Paul has just finished talking about all the loons, all the crazies, all the people that are going to turn aside to myths. But you, Tim, but you, Timothy, you be sober in all things. What in the world do you mean by sober? I mean, don't let yourself get carried away by everything that's happening. Someone who's sober is not letting themselves be swayed by circumstance or events or trends or fads. Someone who is sober is of sound mind. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. What does he mean, endure hardship? It doesn't mean go out of your way to find hardship, but he means <laughs> hardship will come. Don't fall away because of it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't try to take the long way around so that you can avoid discomfort. Because that's, you know, just do what God called you to do. Endure. Endure means you don't quit. Endure means you don't give up. Endure means you don't run away. Endure means you keep going even when stuff gets hard because you know you're called, because you know God's with you, because you know you're called to victory, amen? So he says, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. I can imagine, listen, this is the last letter that Paul's gonna write. He said, at the beginning of this, he said, actually, in just a moment, he says, that in the next verse, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. 
and the time of my departure has come. So listen to the urgency behind his words. He's, he doesn't want to leave things undone. He doesn't want to leave things unsecure, insecured. So he says, Timothy, I'm about to leave. You finish what God put in you. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. I, I, I believe that if the scripture continually has exhortations like this, fulfill your ministry. Take heed to your ministry that you may fulfill it. I believe that's something we need to be encouraging each other about. We need to be saying, hey, I was there when you received that ministry. I know what God said to you. I know when you said yes to the Lord. I was there. One thing that the Lord had really pointed out to me, I, when I first started pastoring, I was 22 years old. So I was considered a young minister by many, and, and I was. And um, so I, when I first became pastor, I just kept, I read First and Second Timothy several times uh, as a letter to me. You know what I mean? I, I just took it like God was writing to me. And I saw it, uh, I was always Timothy in this scenario, right? I was always Timothy. I was receiving this advice. Here's how you be a young minister, right? There's a very practical advice there. So I just, just drank it in, right? I, 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 I just took it as if Paul, by the Holy Spirit, was speaking to me. But there was a point in my, in my life where I, I was reading this again and, and reading through it. And I, and I just felt that the Lord was saying, you know, now I want you to read it from the other side. Okay. I want you to read it from the side of Paul. Okay. And one thing I noticed when I did that was Paul says things like, I was there when they laid hands on you. And the gift of God was put in you through the laying on of hands by the presbytery. And then he reminds them, he says, I'm stirring you up by way of remembrance. He says, don't neglect the gift that's in you. He keeps encouraging him. And what I noticed was, was that Paul was very aware of every spiritually significant moment in Timothy's life. He was aware of those big moments. He was aware of, of this major moment where Timothy had apparently had uh, elders lay hands on him and say, you're commissioned into ministry. And he's reminding Timothy of this. And, and it made me realize I had to realize that, you know, I paid attention when God was speaking to me. I didn't pay close attention when God was speaking to others. You know what I'm saying? So would God be speaking, you know, maybe it was a prophetic word for somebody in our church, and I'm their pastor, and I'm happy they're receiving, but I'm not writing it down and remembering it and praying through it. Because I'm saying, well, that's their business. That's their job. But God was saying, no, it's your job too. Because at some point in their life, someone may have to remind them and say, I know what God said to you. I know what God put in you. I remember just like you remember. In fact, maybe you don't remember like you should remember. So I'm reminding you. Because as we've said before, we are responsible for ourselves, but we are also responsible for one another. We are a body. So, Paul, when he thinks of Archippus, he doesn't say, well, that's his business, whether or not he does it, that's his job. No, he says, you, I, I want you to remind him. And there's a reason he doesn't say, he doesn't send a secret message to Archippus and says, it's just between me and you. He actually tells, this is a letter to the church. And the whole church hears, remind this guy to pay attention to his ministry because he's got to fulfill it because there's nobody else that's going to fulfill it if he doesn't. That's his ministry that God gave him. So encourage him with this. Now Paul says to Timothy, pay attention 
Do what God's called you to do. Don't give up at the first sign of hardness. Endure it. Push through it. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Finish your role. Finish your race. Finish the fight. So here's what I'm thinking. Your ministry will not fulfill itself. It is not an auto thing. It's not on cruise control. You know, some people just believe, well, if God wanted me to finish it, it would be finished. But this is why we have instructions in the scripture. You obviously need to be encouraged. You need to be instructed. You need to be commanded at times. Pay, go back and pay attention. You know, I told you we'd stay in the, in the chapter four. So let's go to 1 Timothy 4 for a minute. And I want to read you what, what Paul said to Timothy here. You'll be familiar with this. He says in verse 14, 1 Timothy 4, 14, do not neglect, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. What would neglecting the spiritual gift within you look like? That doesn't mean that you went out and you totally denied the faith. You can, you can neglect the spiritual gift within you and still be a pretty decent Christian. That doesn't mean that he's not telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, I, I want you to not completely go off the rails and, and um, throw away your life in ministry. No, it's much more subtle. Don't neglect it. And here's, here's what he says after that. He says, don't neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of my hands by the presbytery. Presbytery being a multitude of, of, of ministers, of elders. Lay their hands on them, commissioned them into ministry. Something happened when that happened. He says, take pains with these things or, or maybe better translated, uh, carefully study and practice these things. Don't take it lightly. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. What things are you talking about? The gift of God within you. The instructions I've given you. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in the ministry God gave you. And then he says, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. So Timothy, there's a lot riding on you fulfilling your ministry. There's salvation on the other side of it. There are people that are counting on you to not neglect the gift within you. Now, if you study these two letters, you find out that one of the things that's stopping Timothy from maybe stepping into it is intimidation. That's why Paul had to say to him, God hasn't given you the, the spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. You may have heard it, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, and that's not a bad translation, but there's a word for fear throughout the uh, Greek Old Testament, Septuagint, and the Greek New Testament, and fear is often phobos, right? That's, that's the fear that we often see. But the word here is, is a different kind of fear. It's an intimidation, it's a timidity, it's a, it's a fear of people. 
It's you not stepping into the fullness of what God's called you to because of intimidation. And, and we kind of pick up clues. Paul says that, you know, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. He talks about people that are actively preaching against Paul. He talks about the fact that don't be ashamed of me in chains. So what are some things that Timothy could be intimidated about? He could be intimidated that he's young. He could be intimidated that Paul's, he's the, Paul's uh, understudy and Paul's no longer in vogue in the church. He's, he's no longer popular. In fact, people are actively preaching against him. And he could also know that by standing up and proclaiming the gospel, I might go to prison like Paul did. So there's a lot of forces that are converging to keep him from stepping into his ministry. And Paul says, you've got to do your ministry. Let God worry about all that other stuff. Let God take care of all that other stuff. You take pains, be absorbed in your ministry, be obsessed with it. Invest in it. What are some things that might keep you from taking heed or paying attention to the ministry God gave you? I mean, I think just number one, it just, look, in our day and age, in this part of the world, distraction. Busyness with everything else but the thing God called you to do. You have got to keep going back to what is the most important thing in my life? What is the most important thing in my life? That is the one thing that will not be shaken. The most important thing in my life is my relationship with Jesus and everything that's come out of that. So my family's hidden in that, right? I mean, God would never call you in the name of doing something for him to forsake your family, right? Your family's part of your ministry. What Paul said to Timothy, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. So, you know, I need to, I don't, have to, I don't need to, I, my ministry is not just about making sure everybody else is doing good. I've got to look at me and I've got to say, am I still abiding in the vine? Am I still, what, what am I drawing my life from? But that busyness, Jesus said, chokes out the word within you. It'll choke out ministry. You know, a lot of people, I think a lot of people today know they're called they're not, um, they're not doubting that God's equipped them for the call, but they say things like, when things settle down, I'll get to that. Yeah. Right? When things settle down, I'll do that. Uh, when, when life gets a bit more normal, when my job gets a little bit more, then I'll do all those things. We say those things, but you know, I, I've, I've got a little secret for you. Uh, and ask somebody that's a little bit older, they'll be able to tell you. That won't happen unless you make it happen. Right? right? Jesus said, when someone asked him, you know, Lord, can I just bury my parents first? He said, you know, let the dead bury the dead. He said, nobody who starts putting their hand on the plow, then turns back, is worthy of me. Well, that's a harsh thing to say, but what he's telling them is, once you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. I'll take care of this other things. And later on, he says, nobody who's lost a family or farms or all these things that you had to leave to follow me. He said, I'll give you that a hundred times. In this life, in the age to come, eternal life. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of you. So it takes faith to say, I'm going to give God my first and trust him with the rest. You know, somebody once, uh, it was a wise thing to pastors. I remember a book I read about, you know, how not to, how not to just run on empty and how not to burn out in ministry. One of the things he said is, when God tells you to take time with your family, when he tells you to take time away, put it on the calendar and everything else will work around that. Yeah. Well, it's very similar for everything that God tells you to do. We've discovered this. Uh, when, we, when we plan an outreach or we, we say we're going to take a mission trip, there's, no, there's not a good time in the year to do that. 
You just got to put it there and then let everything else go where it goes. Put it there. So when it comes to the things that God called you to do, put it on the calendar before you put anything else there. And I'm not just saying it's an event, but you know what I'm talking about. In the priorities in your own heart, you, you settle that and, and everything else takes second place. So in that ministry is your family, in that ministry is your own walk with the Lord, and whatever God's put in you to do, put that first. Don't be distracted. Secondly, I think the things that might cause you to come off your and, and not pay attention to what God's called you to do is, is weariness, is fatigue, is discouragement. You say, I, I just don't, I'm not seeing fruit from it. I've been plugging away and I don't feel like anything's moving. You know, how many times in the Bible do you think that God's men and women might have said that? Right? How many times did the prophets prophesy to people that weren't listening? But were very respected after, right? Jesus said, you know, you guys kill the prophets and then you say you love them. Right? How many of those men and women might have said, I'm not, I don't see any fruit here. I'm going to stop prophesying. You know, Jesus, one of his... I mean, listen, his ministry ended pretty rough. Don't you think? All the crowds that followed you, gone. The disciples that were with you, gone. There's one of them left at the cross with with the women. The women stuck it out. Everybody else left, and John just kind of hung around Mary. That's That's what you have to show. But Jesus knew the seeds in the ground. And it's going to bring forth much fruit, right? Jesus didn't give up at the cross. In fact, he knew the cross was the beginning. So you've got to say in those moments where it seems to be roughest in ministry, it seems to be roughest in whatever you're doing for the Lord, that's often the moment right before harvest, right? That's the moment, the classic cliche that it's darkest right before the dawn, right? That moment is the moment that you really need to press in and say, if God told me to do it and it's been confirmed through those people that God's put in my life to speak into my life, then I'm not going to let up just because it got a little bit weird and a little bit hard and a little bit distressed. Discouraging. I won't be discouraged. I'm going to pay attention to the ministry God gave me. He tells Timothy to be absorbed in it. Think about it. Go back to it. Pray through it. I'm reminded of the scripture that Peter writes when he says, as each one of you has received a special gift... It's called a special gift because hidden in the, the original language is this idea of a unique gift. Like it's, it's different for you than it would be for me. As each one has received a gift. It says employ it. Put it to work in serving one another. As good stewards of the manifold, many shaped, many colored, many sized grace of God. And it says when we do that, God will be glorified. So think about that. Each one of us has been given something. Now use it, put it to work. How do I pay attention to the, to the ministry God gave me? So many times we look at the superfluous, the, we look at the surface stuff like, well, maybe I need a website or maybe I need to, maybe I need to t- send emails out or maybe, I, you, know, you know what you need to do? Put it to work in serving. Put it to work. But what gift has God put in you? How do you take heed to your ministry? Just put it to work and serving. If you can't figure out how the ministry God gave you serves the church and serves his purpose in the world, then maybe you don't understand your ministry yet. 
Because if all your ministry does is serve you, you don't really have a ministry. You say, if God gave me a gift, then it should be able to be used to serve. So maybe in your grand scheme, someday this gift is going to be used on a massive scale, right? But you're not there yet, so you know what you do? You start with who's in front of you. You start with who's around you, right? I mean, that's just simple. If you love people, find a way you can love people. I mean, if you believe that God's called you to preach to people, I've said this so many times, but Preach to the people that preach to the two people you work with. Then preach to the people you find on the way to work. And then when you get to church, say, you know what? Hey, I could teach those kids. Hey, can I be part of that? You know, find ways that God can use you right where you are and watch how He multiplies. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. And I want to bring this. I know when he says this to Archippus, it's very personal. It's to one person but I would love to bring this back for our church, just for this moment, that we would consider this together, that we would take heed to the things that God's called us to as a church, and we put those things front and center. What's God called us to? He's called us to reach our city, to preach the gospel to Lloydminster and the region surrounding. He's called us to be a, a church of resource, that we resource other ministries and churches and works around the world. That we're not just saying we need enough for us to do our job, but we are resourcing others. He's called us to invest in the north. He's called us to invest in communities that uh, maybe don't have a church or a pastor right now, that we would invest in them. He's called us to raise up leaders. He's called us to raise up and send out. I believe that we want to be a church that doesn't just grow, 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 grow and keep inflating our size. I believe there's going to be seasons of sending out. Now, these are the things God's called us to. We need to pay attention to them because I know this as a pastor, and I think you know this too. If we're not careful, we'll, uh, we'll end up just getting so busy and keeping the thing running that we get in maintenance mode. And maintenance mode is not exactly doing what God called you to do. It's just keeping the lights on, right? And we feel like we're busy and we feel like we're doing the things for God, but we've forgotten what he called us to do. Sometimes you've got to pay attention because you'll find yourself you know, just running on the hamster wheel, keeping the power going, and then you'll realize, wait, was this what God asked me to do? Tell Archippus to pay heed to the ministry he received from the Lord that he may fulfill it. It's my heart's cry as a pastor to see those in our gathering, in our family, fulfill the ministry God gave you. I want that as much as I want my own gifts to be used. I want that as much as I want what God gave me to do. I want to see you walking in that. And we want that for each other. You know, we can't make that happen for each other. When you try to make your ministry happen, you're going to wreck your ministry. But when you pay attention to it and do what Paul said to Timothy, practice the things you've been taught, put it to work, pay attention, pray through it, be absorbed in it. Put it to work in the way you can right now. Watch what God does with it. Listen, this is the same God that said to the lady, what do you have in your hand? I got a couple pots. Go borrow some pots. 
What do you have right now? Well, it's the widow that just had some cake. I just got this little bit of cake and, and some oil, and, and, and then me and my son are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. He said, well, give me that. God will take what you have right now so he can give you more. What do you have in your hand right now? What is the ministry you've received from the Lord right now? Listen, I know you got to have dreams. I know you got to have goals. I, I know you got to have some big vision for the future. But right now, what have you been given? And are you using what you've been given? Because if God can trust you with what you've been given, he'll trust you with more and with more and with more. And once again, it is not your ministry. It is the ministry God gave you. So ultimately, it's his job to do the work. It's your job to participate. It's your job to say, yes, Lord. It's your job to say, I'm here, Lord. It's not your job to make it happen. It's not your job to grow it. It's not your job to put power in it. That's all God's job. It's his ministry that he gave to you. Do you know what ministry means? Like, listen, our modern version of ministry can best be described as being a waiter. They're ministering to you. Do you know what they're doing? They're going to get the food from the back and serving it to you. Did you know tonight my ministry to you is not to make the food? My ministry tonight to you is not to make you eat it. My ministry was to get the food that God has already prepared for you to put it on a tray and bring it to you and go, do you want some? Here it is. That's ministry. It's something God has given to people. We get to be part of the process of giving what God's already given, of, of bringing what God's already paid for. So when we minister the gospel, I don't make the gospel work. I didn't make it happen. I didn't do any of the work to, to, to make it good news. It's already good news. Ministering the gospel means receiving it so that I can give it away. And that's what ministry looks like in each one of our lives. What have you freely received? Now freely give it. And pay attention to it. Paul said to Timothy, you need to do some study. You know, if you really believe God calls you to write a book, read some. <laughs> right? Do some study. Put some, put some effort in. Say, God, I want you to teach me through this. You know, if you believe that God, you know, called you to, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be this, this amazing uh, musician for the Lord. Well, maybe you need to take lessons. Well, that doesn't sound spiritual at all. Okay, well, if God said don't take lessons, then don't take lessons. But if he didn't say that, take some lessons. Put some effort into it. And then let God teach you. Let God amplify everything you do. But, you know, this is going to take your participation. People don't like to hear that part of it. We want to be zapped with God's lightning bolt and just automatically be at the end of the race. But the end of the race starts with mile one, mile two, mile three, mile four. You start where you are and you start running. And I would just, in closing, like for us to consider those in the race with us. And I want us to perk up our ears when someone is receiving something from God. I want you to pay attention in those conversations where someone opens their heart to you and says, you know, the Lord's really laid this on my heart. And I want you to take that as, if they open their heart to me in that moment, then perhaps I have a part to play in their journey. I don't have to pave the path for them. I don't have to make the connections. But I'm going to pray with you about that. And there may be a day where I need to remind you, I was there when God spoke to you and I haven't forgotten. You may have seemingly forgotten who you are, but I didn't forget. 
I know what God said to you, and I'm here to remind you. Pay attention to it, because it's not dead yet. Fulfill it. Amen. Let's stand up, and we're going to pray.